morning. Uh, if you want to open up your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. This uh, morning's message is kind of the beginning of uh, a path that Jesus took to the cross. I want to, uh, this morning, just go through most of John chapter 7, and the story kind of picks up, time frame-wise, about midway, a little bit more, uh, Jesus' ministry on earth, that three years. So he's, you know, maybe midway through, or a little bit more so, and if you have a study Bible or you look up some maps and you kind of see where Jesus traveled, all the journeys he took and uh, in and around Galilee and Israel. It's kind of fascinating to see where all these stories happened. You know, he would go and he would stop and he'd be someplace and something would happen. Uh, so to me, that sounds like a great way to live, kind of a fun way to live, but... Um, are you there, John chapter 7? <clears throat> After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Feast of the Jews, the Feast of Booths, uh, your, your translation might say tabernacle, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here, go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. This is uh, kind of a fascinating statement and set of thoughts from uh, Jesus' brothers. You know, he... He physically grew up with them in the same house, and it, it almost comes across to me the same that uh, Satan was doing when he was tenting out in the wilderness, you know. Do these miracles, do these signs, show these things so people will believe. And we know from uh, reading the rest of the story here, uh, even his brothers didn't quite accept or believe in a hard time that he was the Savior, the Messiah. <laughs> that the Jews have been waiting for and praying for. In fact, in verse 5, the next one, for not even his brothers were believing in him. And again, we know as time went on, they did come to faith after the resurrection. You know, James became a leader in the church, gave us one of the books in the Bible. Jude uh, gave us one of the books in the Bible. Um, we have to wait for God's time in a lot of people's lives where they come to faith. Something maybe has to affect uh, your little testimony came about uh, your daughter. It's been a long uh, time coming. I mean, something happens and it just changes things. Verse 6, so Jesus said to them, my time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. <clears throat> the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its deeds are of the devil, of evil. 
So go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time is not yet fully come. What is he speaking about? You know, your time is not any time. My time is not yet. Well, Jesus came for a, a time and a purpose, um, an hour, a moment where he would give his life for the sins of the world. And he knew coming to the earth in the flesh that it was all going to be destined towards that. And this was an eternal plan that was hatched in the very beginning. And not before the beginning. There's no such thing as a beginning in eternity. But yet, he was saying to his brothers, you know, that we have these, these feasts and festivals and times of worship and you should go up to them. It's not my time yet. You know, Jesus knew what was going to happen um, there in Jerusalem. Nine, having said these things to him, he stayed in Galilee. So Galilee is quite a bit north of Jerusalem, up towards, it's, it's a region and a town north of the lake of the Sea of Galilee. Verse 10, but when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying, he is a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. This is the same debate that's going on today, isn't it? He's just a good man. No, he, um, he leads the people astray. That's, that's wrong. It's, you know. And then there are others who say he is the way, the truth, and the life. This, this debate continues even today. 14, but when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. Mark, can I ask a quick question? Sure. That? Is, so they're saying in here that it's the Gentiles that are whispering as well, right? Because it says still nobody was talking publicly about him because they feared the Jews. Well, I, I think it was um, not just the Gentiles, um, even Jews. They were, they were afraid of the... Orthodox Jews, the Pharisees, those that would um, come against those who were following Jesus, following believers. Uh, where are we at? Um, 13. 13, thank you. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. When it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went to the temple and began to teach. The Jews then were astonished, saying, how has this man become learned, having never been educated? So what they're saying is, um, this man Jesus has not gone to our schools, you know, the schools that, that we went to, we were Pharisees, and we would go and we would learn all of these things of Judaism. He's not gone to those. I mean, he doesn't have the same kind of education or degrees that we have. How is it that he sounds educated? How is it that these things that he's teaching are powerful. <coughs> so Jesus says in verse 16, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. What's he saying there? You know, he's speaking 
the words of God. You know, the Jews believed in God. They just didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak for myself. So Jesus is saying, if you're following God, if you're following his will, if you're seeking out his will, you will be able to discern truth or deceit. And today, uh, being after Jesus had gone to heaven and the Holy Spirit had come and been given now as a personal gift, we can discern whether what we are hearing is of God or not. It requires us to step back, take a moment to listen, to even just quickly check in with God, and we can know. This would have been pretty inflammatory, right, if he had said this in the, in the synagogue? Yes, yeah, he's like, saying it to the leaders. Right, That's they would have been up in arms. Absolutely. Uh, 18. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there's no unrighteousness in him. And this is how we can discern false teaching or true teaching. You know, who are they speaking of? Who are they giving the glory? Who are they promoting? Are they speaking just of, uh, from themselves? What sounds good? Are they quoting some secular person? Or are they speaking the words of God? Who, who are they giving glory to? And we... We need to be discerning and careful of that because there are many false teachers out there who are simply promoting themselves. 19. Well, here's a a quote I heard about that particular uh, topic. It's revelation linked to application. In other words, when God's truth is revealed to us, it comes out in our life. We apply it. We, we obey it. We walk in it. We understand it. Revelation linked to application. 19. Did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you carries out the law? <laughs> Ouch. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? That's just astounding. Jesus answered them, I did one deed, and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it was for Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So he's saying circumcision, which was required of the law to be a Jew, you had to be circumcised. But Jesus is pointing out to them their uh, unbelief. You know, here I am doing more. I'm making the whole man well. You know, it's by faith the whole man's well. And Shouldn't that happen on the Sabbath, much less any other day of the week? I think we're kind of used to this. I mean, people come to church, 
and they hear the word of God and they surrender their life to God. I mean, that makes sense to us. But back here, you know, there was a change that was going from the law towards grace. Uh, verse 25. <clears throat> so some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? <laughs> so they knew there was a plot going on and Jews and the Pharisees wanted to kill this man. And yet here he is teaching out in the open. What is going on here? Isn't this the man they're seeking to kill? Look, he's speaking publicly and they are saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However, we know where this man is from. But whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. So this is uh, a uh, false um, belief or statement that the Jews had believed that they wouldn't know where this Messiah came from. And um, so they're speaking that out. And, and this is... This uh, statement is kind of repeated a couple of times here in our chapter. And, and the crazy thing is, of course, every Jew knew that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I mean, Herod going around killing all their baby boys. I mean, that is not something that happens in secret. 28. Then Jesus cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, you both know me and know where I am from. It's, Jesus is not afraid of confrontation. <laughs> I mean, he is presenting the truth, uh, calling out uh, the lies that are going on, both verbally and in their hearts, because he can see into their hearts and knows what they're saying. You both know me and know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Again, ouch. I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Yes, Jesus said many times, he is God. Again, another uh, criticism, another um, skepticism that Jesus never said he was God. He said it in so many different ways. Here's just one. Verse 30, so they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid his hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Again, his hour had not yet come. His whole ministry, his whole journeys and teaching was all geared towards this one event right out here that we're going to remember here in a month or two, you know, being crucified on the cross. 31, but... Many of the crowd believed in him, and they were saying, when the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? <coughs> so they were, some were beginning, and they were willing to recognize that, yeah, this, this must be the Messiah. 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Therefore Jesus said, <clears throat> For a little while longer I am with you. Then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Ouch. These uh, Pharisees had to be hurt. 
the, the Jews had to be hurt hearing all of this. What is he saying here? He's saying to them, you are uh, experts in the law, yet you don't even obey the law yourself. I know what you do behind closed doors. I know the things, the way that you twist the law and tell people. And you have yet to catch on that the just shall live by faith. That the only way you can go where I am going, Jesus is going, is faith. It's not earning your way into heaven. Doesn't he almost say the exact opposite to the disciples? He, he says, I am only somewhere. I'm only with you for a short time, and then I'm going back to the Father, and I will prepare a place for you. Mm -hmm. no. So it's, 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 I don't know, it's interesting seeing how the language is almost exactly the same language, yet he's speaking to the Pharisees who don't know him versus speaking to the people who are actually <clears throat> seeking to follow him versus those seeking to destroy him. Yeah, yeah. But it's like mirror language. Yeah. Uh, 35. The Jews then said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? He's not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? What is this statement that he said? You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. This is, again, exactly what's happening in our world today. If, if you are not a spiritual man, in other words, if you have not been born again, the words of the Bible will not resonate. They will not seem like truth. They will seem confusing or nonsensical because understanding and revelation comes from a spiritual understanding and communication. So, I think one of the um, mistakes that we Christians make when we're sharing God's word with non-believers is that we are jumping ahead of the game. You know, we expect non-believers to to speak, think, act, sing like believers. And we forget the whole thing, the first thing. It, their heart has to be changed from the inside out. So whoever we're dealing with, start with those faith conversations. Um, you know, they've got to come to an understanding about Jesus, who he is and what he offers. And once... A person has changed spiritually. They become that new creation. They can begin to soak things up. Then the Holy Spirit, who is our counselor and our instructor, dwelling within us, all of a sudden it kind of makes sense. You know, you, you begin to understand. It's, it's not that uh, we'll understand every single thing in the Bible right away. We still have to study. We still have to pray. There are going to be things that are, that are mysteries in the Bible to us. And we have to continue to pray and press in and, and hear from God. Um, verse 37. <clears throat> now in the last day, this, this is a great little section here. Now in the last day of the great day of the feast, 
Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What is so funny about this is, during this feast, they had to have a tradition where they would um, fill up this uh, basin on the altar with water. And then that would be for seven days. On the eighth day, they didn't fill it up. They had their pitchers of empty water. They were empty. They didn't have water to fill up this basin. And so Jesus takes that opportunity to say, you don't have any water. The basin doesn't have any water. But if you're thirsty, come to me. I am the living water. Um, again, uh, they were looking for something new, something to, you know, they would be thirsty on that eighth day. And Jesus is saying, I will quench your thirst. I will give you the living water. So in these few verses, 37, 38, and 39, where he says, this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. In other words, they haven't received it yet. Um, the Holy Spirit wasn't given as a personal gift until 10 days after Jesus returned back to heaven. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So verses 37, 38, and 39 are, are basically an invitation Come to me, all you who are thirsty, all you who are weary, all who you who need rest. Come to me. And then uh, thirty-eight was—it's a promise. If you believe in me, if you believe in me, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. In thirty-nine, he clarifies what he's saying in this invitation and this promise. Verse uh, 40. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, village where David was? Yeah, it did. And that's where he came from. I find this same uh, premise is active today. People will say, Jesus is not God. Jesus is not the Savior. Jesus is just a, a prophet, just a man, just a good teacher, whatever it is. But he knows. I, I would venture to say every single person that um, speaks and minimizes Jesus, they know in their heart who they're really speaking about, that he truly is God. Amen. Um, they just have not gotten to that point where they're willing to accept it. They're not willing to accept what Jesus wants us to do, and that is to repent, confess our sins, and put our faith in him, to walk in him, to... Live our life recognizing that we need Him, that the blessings come from Him. No matter 
how good we think we can make ourselves, how good we think we can be. We, we can't be good enough. We need him. <clears throat> so verse uh, 42, no, 43. So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. So we have in this world today a division. This division continues on. You, you're either of the uh, family that believes that Jesus is Lord, or you're not. There, there is no other option. You're one or the other. Yeah, you might have other religious beliefs. You might be part of other religions or churches. But those are denying that Jesus is Lord. So you're either of the people that believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior or not. So when they're talking about who Christ is, where he came from, and this guy really didn't come from there and all that, what they're doing is they're making a conclusion based on the wrong fact or based on the wrong understanding. In other words... They knew that Jesus grew up in Nazareth in Galilee. So they were, were saying, no, he can't be the Messiah because of where he's from. Doesn't fit our belief. So they're making a conclusion based on the wrong fact, wrong understanding. Because we all know, they knew really that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And we see that going on today. So whenever... Uh, people are skeptical about Jesus. <coughs> They're basing their faith on the wrong conclusion, the wrong fact, the wrong interpretation. Aren't they kind of overlooking the fact that the Bible, that the, the um, prophecies also say he'll be called a Nazarene? Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like they're saying he couldn't have come from there, but if they knew the Bible... Their Old Testament, it says very clearly that he was called a Nazarene, so he does come from there. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, verse 45. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? <clears throat> and the officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees have believed in him, has he? But the crowd which does not know the law is a, this crowd which does not know the law is accursed. And I find that this is true today as well. When, they, when these officers were sent out to arrest Jesus, to bring him back, to be put in trial, this is way early before his hour had come, they came back instead without him and said, whew, have you heard what he's saying? This guy can preach. This guy speaks with authority. He speaks and teaches in a way we've never heard before. It's amazing stuff. I can almost imagine them saying, you guys should go out and listen a little bit. It's the same way today. If people 
will at least have an open heart and open mind and come and hear the word of God, they will recognize its truth. And I think um, they will surrender their life to him. So the Pharisees are justifying, look, none of us Pharisees have believed in him. I mean, so obviously it's not, not true. It's not the truth. <laughs> 50. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus before being one of them, so Nicodemus was one of the group, one of the Pharisees, and yet he put his faith in Jesus. He said to them, 51, our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? And they answered him, you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Again, a conclusion based on wrong fact or wrong interpretation. We see in, in the Pharisees' responses to Jesus in his teaching that rage is deep, deep in people's heart. And yet Jesus will free us from that rage if we will honestly and openly come to him. And prejudice is deep in people's hearts. And he will set us free from that. We have prejudice. It's not just a racial thing, but we have prejudices. In other words, strong opinions against something or other people, other types of people. And that prejudice can turn into, can be a bondage. And we can be set free from it. And we need to try to address people in the same way that Jesus did. So, as we are walking out, our days during this time that we live in, we live in a very unique time period, a time like no other. And we are so much closer to the end of the last days, the beginning of the end times. We don't know when it's going to be exactly, but we've never been closer. And this, this same debate that was going on in here is still happening. And we're part of it. We're part of that conversation and that debate in the world right now. So we're we're going through scripture and we're looking at Jesus and we're looking at what he went through and his journey. He knows he's on the way to the cross. The other people don't quite catch on yet. But he knows he's on the way there. We know because we've read the story. But Jesus is on his way to the cross that hour that he came for, which is what? To shed his blood for us, to take on the sin of the world, to take it to the grave, to be raised again, to bring new life, to return to heaven, where he's up there advocating for us right now, to the Father. Say, hey, I'm down here. Look at this guy. Look at this woman. We have an advocate in heaven. 
cheering on for us, covering covering our sins. All right, praise God. Any uh, thoughts or comments you want to make before we move to prayer? I do. About uh, three or four weeks ago, we were having a family dinner, and Darcy said, you know, I don't even have a Bible, Mom. And I said, hang on a second. One Sunday, I had my granddaughter, Charlie, here, and you mentioned there were Bibles free for the taking, so Charlie brought a Bible home. So, um, and it was American Standard, so I just kept it because that's the version I have and the version I like to <coughs> And so I told Darcy, just wait a second. I, I have an extra Bible for you. I've had this Bible for probably four years. And I went and got it, and she opened it, and on the front of the Bible it said, this Bible belongs to my love. If, I mean, if that doesn't really hit you, it hit her really, really hard. And um, I just, I see little things that he's doing to reassure her that he is real. And it's just absolutely amazing. Anyone else? All right, well, let's get around and pray for you.